Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message. You can find any new episodes that we're putting out. And if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff. Comes out every Thursday. It is free if you want it to be. And you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com. Second, this episode was produced during my time at Our State Magazine. Now, I happen to think that most of it still holds up, but some of the promo codes and websites that I mention may no longer work. Okay, here's the show. Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. I was sitting in my car in Emerald Isle, North Carolina, in the parking lot next to one of those state wildlife boat ramps, the kind where the pavement goes right down into the water. There was a wooden walkway, tall grasses all around, with the white noise of rain hitting my roof. It was early afternoon. Warm weather, gray skies, a light wind, not picture-perfect weather, but honestly, not too bad. It was a pretty chill scene, which is exactly the kind of environment you'd want if you were anxious about starting a two-week-long, 200-mile kayak trip by yourself up the Intracoastal Waterway. And Aaron Brennan needed to chill out. What kind of books have you been reading? You got some Hemingway there? What a classics kick. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Aaron was already 1,000 miles into a 1,200-mile trip along the Mountains to Sea Trail. She'd seen a lot, been through a lot, and read a lot. Were you weighing your books? I was not weighing my books. I was past that portion. I was past that uh, obsession. Uh-huh. Before now, every time I'd talked to Erin, she had been pretty calm. Even though, you know, some stuff had gone wrong. She'd gotten lost at least once. She'd been left alone after her hiking partner, Thomas, decided to keep going at a faster pace. She'd been through strong storms and extreme heat, but she was always pretty even-keeled, which was not surprising. I mean, she was in the military for seven years, had a solid plan for the trail, had a support team that was on call in case she needed help. And on top of all that, she just had this can-do attitude. As if, yeah, things are going to happen, but you just do the best you can. No big deal. And yet, at this moment, Erin was as nervous as I'd ever seen her. I'm a little anxious right now. I'm... I knew I was, like, nervous leading up to it, but, like, I'm actually a little bit... Like watching like watching Michelle back <laughs> yes. down with, with the kayak, you're uh, like, because oh! You, and because you guys are here, I'm, like, afraid I won't be able to paddle it, and you guys are just going to, like, watch me fail. To which I was like, like no, things are going to be fine. Which is like the way you say it when you don't actually know if like things are going to be fine. It's not, like, as heavy as you think it's I, going to be. Like, know. oh... She's like, no, it is. <laughs> Now, my bedside manner was different than that of Michelle Revoir. Finding places to pee is going to be your biggest problem. I swear that is... Michelle, you might remember, works for Warrior Expeditions and hiked with Aaron for the first couple days of the trail. (laughs) This is the stuff you don't think about. I'll be honest, at first... We were both trying to lighten the mood, which is hard to do, especially when you discover that Aaron's kayak was this close to flying off the top of Michelle's Jeep on the drive over. Oh, look, we lost a strap. Ah. Holy wow, crap. it's like straight up not connected to anything, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We she didn't lose it. Well, that shows you how heavy the boat is. <laughs> I was following behind Michelle at one point, so obviously I was glad that I didn't have a 14-foot-long, 75-pound missile 
come flying through my windshield. Anyway, we all teamed up to lift the kayak off of Michelle's Jeep and plopped it down on the concrete ramp right next to the water. Oh, you want to paddle? I was going to say, I think I'm missing um, an important piece. And not that we were delaying, but we literally couldn't put this off any longer. The boat was right there, bobbing in the water, and the only thing left was for Aaron to get in and paddle. All right, let's see how this goes. Let me oh, grab my phone God. Aaron and her kayak started gliding through the canal out toward the open water of Bogue Sound. Michelle and I walked alongside her on the wooden boardwalk just a few feet away. When you're really paddling, you have to use your legs. Yeah. All right, we're coming around. It was our last chance to get in a few more words of encouragement. Don't go yep. too fast. We want to catch up to you. You're going so fast. You're too you? good at it. Stop being so good. <laughs> so I'm going left, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right, you're going right, right, no, le right, left, left, right. Okay. Bye. We'll get him. Okay, call me when you get into camp. Don't die. And as we watched her steadily paddle away from us, once she was out of earshot... Oh, she lost. <laughs> so sad. Michelle turned to me and said, uh, yeah, I watched Thomas do this part of the trip, and it's really, really tough. He said, that, he said the paddling was super, super hard up until he hit Ocracoke, which is where I met up with him. So uh -huh. it was really, really difficult that day. Well, my biggest question for him was like, so... With the exception of being hard, obviously, because these that's, these trails are hard. Yeah. It is it a good experience, and is it worth doing again? Because I was concerned that he was so exhausted that I was like, "Is it worth paddling this?" Because he was just beat. He was beat. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah." He said he would do it again. It was hard, but Thomas had a lot of paddling experience, and he had done so well that he was going to pull up to the backside of Jockey's Ridge State Park the next day, climb the dunes, and reach the endpoint of the Mountains to Sea Trail. A big victory for him and for warrior expeditions. Now, they had sent veterans down the MST before, Michelle was one of them, but those veterans had just walked the whole thing. The hiking, biking, paddling trip, this Mountains to Sea triathlon of sorts. Aaron and Thomas were the first ones to do it. They were the guinea pigs. And so far, the hiking and biking part had been wildly successful. As for the paddling, well, we were about to get an answer on that one. I knew that paddling up the intercoastal would be hard. I've paddled out here my whole life. I didn't realize it was gonna be quite as hard as it is. It, it logistically is really difficult as well, but it, this is harder than I thought, than I expected it to be. I just hope, I hope it works. I don't care how tough you are, that is a lot of pressure on someone who'd only been in a kayak once or twice in her life. I mean, think about it. You have 200 miles in between you and the very end of the Mountains to Sea Trail. And to get there, all you have to do is do something that you've never really done before, something you're not all that comfortable with in an environment that is totally new. You know, she just learned how to read tide charts and currents and, and all that stuff in the past like two, two days. 
Before now on dry land, the biggest problems had been twisted ankles, finding places to camp, climbing up and down mountains, cars that get a little too close for comfort, bugs. Now you're dealing with whitecaps and currents and tides and winds and possible storms and capsizing and speedboats that get a little too close and all of that. It's like your reward for a job well done is two weeks trying to stay afloat in a sound that sometimes acts like a giant sloshing bathtub. So far this season, we've talked about a lot of things that people experience on the trail, the highs and the lows. But we really haven't gotten into what I'm going to call the F words. Fatigue, frustration, fear, and failure. Even if you're well prepared, even if you know what you're doing, at some point, if you're trying to through hike or paddle the MST, you are going to have to grapple with some or all of those things before the end of your journey. Whether that journey ends at the end of the trail or before. From Our State Magazine, this is Away Message, Season 4, a trip across North Carolina on the Mountains to Sea Trail. I'm Jeremy Markovich. So before we go any further, I've got to explain a couple things. Because you're probably thinking, okay, this is the Mountains to Sea Trail. What do you mean you can take a kayak on it? First thing, Aaron Brennan was paddling up the Intracoastal Waterway, which is not officially part of the MST. That is a thing that we will talk a lot more about in the next episode. However, Aaron and Alexi Harris, our other hikers have been planning on paddling down the Noose River, which technically counts. Paddling it is a phenomenal, it's a wonderful option. That is Kate Dixon again, the executive director of the Friends of the Mountains to Sea Trail. And I'd say about a third of our completers do that. Okay, stay with me here. From the beginning of the trail, from Klingman's Dome, through the mountains, through the Piedmont, around Asheville, Greensboro, Durham, and Raleigh, there has been only one official route of the Mountains to Sea Trail. But... When the MST gets to Smithfield, about 40 miles southeast of Raleigh, at that point, you can choose your own adventure. In the coastal plain, there are two ways of doing it. Um, You can do what we call the coastal crescent route. That is the route we focused on in the last episode. It's a U-shaped path through eastern North Carolina, through towns like Roseboro, White Lake, and Burgaw, mostly along roadsides. I say mostly because there are some long stretches of actual trail through the Holly Shelter Gamelands and the Croatan National Forest. Plus, there's the first stretch of beach hiking, eight miles up Topsail Island. Still, though, the coastal crescent is all walking and hiking, or in Aaron Brennan's case, biking. But... Then the other alternative is paddling the Noose River. You can kayak or canoe down a 170-mile stretch of the longest river in North Carolina, the Noose River. You put on its Smithfield, then paddle past towns like Goldsboro, Kinston, and New Bern, as well as a tiny place named, not making this up, Tickbite, North Carolina. One thing about paddling the Noose is that when you get down towards New Bern, the river really widens. You know, first you're on typical river, and then all of a sudden you're like really out. The river is a mile wide. So for, you know, somebody who's never paddled before, we wouldn't recommend that that's the way (laughs) you choose to do it, um, because it's not an easy paddle. 
This is the route that Aaron and Lexi chose, and the big advantage is you get to skip a lot of road walking. Plus, it's a lot more direct. It's only about half as long as the Coastal Crescent. But obviously, you need to have kayaks. And with the week to go before they hit the river, Aaron and Lexi did not have kayaks. The main river outfitter that does this for mountains to sea hikers um, is totally booked through the next three weeks. So we've contacted a handful of others. So far, none of them can help us. As of now, we're really not sure what we're going to do if we can't kayak the noose. I'm personally not prepared to road walk the alternate roughly 350 miles. We actually don't have time to since I've taken a job to start in early August. Hopefully it's going to work out. We'll see. Because we really want to finish the trail. We'll see. Spoiler alert, it worked out. One of the people that Aaron and Lexi called out of desperation told them, you know, you don't have to rent. You can buy two relatively cheap kayaks for roughly the same price and then just give them away if you have to. So Aaron and Lexi had some friends take them to the closest Dick's Sporting Goods, and they became the owners of two brand new boats. Now my sweet, sweet wife is already attached. We're not even on the water yet. But Lexi, Lexi is loving these kayaks. And on July 8th at a Riverside Park in Smithfield, they said goodbye to their friends. You think we're going to make it? I think it might. Absolutely. Are you being honest? Push, don't pull. <laughs> Push, don't pull. Push, don't pull. We just pulled off the river for the first time. I think we've gone probably 10 miles or so. Really? It's a lot faster than walking. It is so beautiful out here on the water. It is peaceful. It's it is so peaceful. It is cooler than it is on the road. We just <laughs> saw. We just saw a bald bum, bum, bum. eagle. A bald eagle in the wild. It was beautiful. It really was. It was so large. At first, the Noose River was perfect, really. We'll probably just have lunch in our boats today. Don't really have to stop, let the river take us. And so it's a nice change of pace. It's been really fun. But a few days later, when I met up with Aaron and Lexi at a Bojangles in Goldsboro. Don't take this the wrong way. Um, you know, when I when you walked up today, I'm like, they look a little bit tired. Um, you, you've been out on the trail for a while. Things we're not perfect. Tell me how you got from the actual water up the bank into this restaurant here. Like, like, because I didn't see like an easy place to come up the bank. That's because there was not one. <laughs> Great observation. They stashed their boats, clawed their way up the bank, and walked a half mile along a four-lane road to meet me. And yeah, they looked pretty much like they felt. Yeah, we're tired. We've been waking up early and, and 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 kayaking all day, so not quite the the same schedule as walking. It's it feels harder. On their first day on the river, everything went well, but on the day before I met them, it is 7:30 a.m. on Tuesday. <laughs> you can hear just from their voices on the recording. Things had changed. We did not pick the best time to be on the noose. <clears throat> the 
water level is really low and so it's barely moving at all it's basically like kayaking on a lake so it's slow so we tried we did just over 32 miles yesterday (laughs) in about mm, 14 hours (laughs) we were we were on the river from 7 30 to 9 something we didn't do we haven't done any night hiking yet but we sure tried our hand at night kayaking last night and unfortunately our lamps were not as strong I had lamps as we thought they were going to be so it was very difficult to see we didn't find the campsite so we ended up just finding this steep super muddy bank that We've lovingly named Diarrhea Island. <laughs> it ra- it did rain some yesterday, so when we pulled up to this island, oh my gosh, our feet sank a pro- literally a foot in the mud. <laughs> you couldn't help it. And I think we've come to the conclusion that the river just does not smell good. So kind of everything around here is a general uh, unpleasant odor. Everything stinks. In that moment, everything stinks was not meant to be a metaphor. But a few days later, it was. I, for one, am just much better at walking than I am at propelling myself forward with my arms. So <laughs> it's, we're sore. Like, I mean, our, I've got blisters all over my hands. Like, you know, our necks are sore. Our backs are sore. It's, it's been a lot. I mean, and... We knew it would be challenging, but I'm, I'm realizing my expectations were a little bit off. So we're trying to rework that and, you know, realize that this is all part of the process and we're going to make it. <laughs> just make it. We just have to make it. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty. Is it, is it just like that's the only goal? Like we just got to get it done. So I had this, I had the same thought on the river <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> My lovely wife was just having a hard time with the with the a complete meltdown. Okay. Okay, she was having a complete meltdown. And I said, you know, this can we can take as long as we need to do this. She said, I don't wanna be doing this any longer than we have to be doing this. So we're trying to strike a balance of getting it done somewhat quickly and not killing ourselves any any given day. So I think we've, we're thinking about 20 miles a day is pretty doable. I mean, we did have a conversation yesterday, and I think the kayaking has, has been the hardest for both of us for various reasons. I think it is really physically challenging, but I don't think that's what would send us home. I think it's a mental game. And yesterday, as Aaron alluded to, I just had a tough time. We were like four hours in and we had only gone eight and a half miles. Yeah. That was so demoralizing. The slow morning. Because it's like one thing if you're busting your butt, but you're going to make it. Like by the end of the day, we were going to get our 30 miles and make it to camp. Like last night. Yeah. That, but like when it feels like you're busting your butt and it's like, and at this rate, we're only going to make it halfway. That's like such a bummer. This this is no joke. I had a moment. My sweet husband just 
very patient and helped me. I, the other pieces was that we were basically trapped on the river. Now we've bought these kayaks. We're in between towns. It's like, even if I did want to quit, like, where are we going to go? We, we, there's nowhere to even get out of the river right here. So I knew I wasn't going to quit. That was just, uh, I was just, I was super discouraged yesterday. I think when you're struggling with something, I want to be able to make it better somehow. It's, it's frustrating when it doesn't seem like there's a way to do that. Don't be sorry. You can be discouraged and feel like this is hard. And See if we tie our boats together, then you can then you can thank me for helping you along. We could try it just in the morning and see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> I'll try anything at this point. It might be a terrible idea. I'm not sure. Are you out of water? No, I have a whole bottle. <sighs> All right, sit tight. I'll get get the tent. I may feel more isolated on the river than we ever felt in the mountains. Something about it, it feels like we don't have access and connection to other people. I don't know, yeah, something about it feels like we're chained to the river. Like, where are you right now knowing that, like, you know, before you were like, there's 1,200 miles between me and the end, and then now it's like, we're, we're going to be there fairly soon. I think that's why it feels like we've got to finish. Like, I think, you know, we're, we are motivated to finish. And I think that's why I don't want to give up now. Even though, I mean, it, that has been kind of our motto is that like, we don't have to do this and I don't want us to feel like there's no other option, but we're so close, like we can do this. I know we can. And I think it will feel like an accomplishment. And, and I do think there's, you know, something to be said for the challenge of it. Like it has been hard and I think we're learning and that's going to be beneficial to us. And so I feel like I don't want to give up. <laughs> After we finished lunch, I walked with Aaron and Lexi back up the road toward the river. So we're, we're going to the left of the guardrail. That's how we came out. Okay, I'll follow you. I climbed down a surprisingly steep embankment, holding onto small trees and vines and chunks of concrete, trying to get down to the sandy spot under a bridge where Aaron and Alexi's kayaks were pulled up. They float. They, def they definitely float. <laughs> All right. You ready? I guess so. Ready to shove off? <laughs> okay. Let me, push. Yeah, let me put you in a little bit. I don't quite trust her to shove me off, so I usually let her go first. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to beat you down the river. Grab that paddle. Got it. And their trip continued. Later that day, they hit a rainstorm. The bottom of the sky fell out, and it started pouring down rain. That night, they encountered wildlife. It's the night of July 10th. We're in our tent, and this animal is moving around us. Not sure what it is. 
but it's making quite the call. Further down the river in Kinston, they took a day off, after which they had another near disaster. That is the sound of water spouting out of our kayaks. We had a very restful uh, 36 hours in Kinston uh, at a little inn right by the river. And there were these huge storms on Thursday night? Thursday night. On Thursday night. So I came down to the river on Friday and it had risen probably about two feet, a lot of water in the boats. So I unplugged the little the little plug on the back, pulled them up about three or four feet well out of the water and thought this would be great. No more storms. But the river continued to rise as rivers do, I suppose. Um, and we just got back down to our boats. One of them had floated about 20 feet out into the water and thankfully gotten caught on a tree. And they were both just almost full of water, you know, definitely like sitting low, submerged. definitely sitting low in the water. So we're letting them drain and yeah. we're just really thankful we still have oh two kayaks. Oh my gosh, that honestly could have been a trip ender. We bought two kayaks for this journey, but I don't know if we were prepared to buy a, a third. third. <laughs> we both said, if one of those was gone, we probably would have just gone home. So but we're we glad. Continue on. And at this point, their voices sounded different than they had just a few days earlier. Kayaking had been really, really hard. Almost everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. But they got through it. The end was in sight. And finally, the river was flowing again. It's higher, hopefully a little faster. So. Hopefully. I mean, hey, we've been wanting this, so we've been wanting we are this. not complaining. We've probably got two, two and a half days, about 50 miles. About 50 miles. Uh, on the river to New Bern. So uh, here goes nothing. A few days later, they made it stashed their kayaks with a friend, put their packs back on, and started hiking again toward the Outer Banks. The hardest part was behind them. Things were looking up. At least for them. Because right around that time, I got a phone call from Aaron Brennan, who said things had not gone according to plan. Not at all. That part of the story when we come back. Happy birthday to you. This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich. So in the middle of all this, my son had his fifth birthday. We celebrated at the house, made a special dinner, did cake and ice cream and presents, and my wife and I put him to bed. I wouldn't have missed it for the world, but... That meant I got a very late start on a very impromptu road trip. Okay, uh, it is 12.17 on Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. Um, and I am um, driving across the Alligator River 
and I should be in the Outer Banks in about uh, half an hour. Um, it's late, but um, I got a phone call uh, from Erin, and basically said that uh, she was finishing tomorrow, which is not today. So I am dropping out there to go see her. See what this is all about. So when I saw Erin Brennan paddling away back in Emerald Isle, she said that she thought it would take about two weeks for her to get to Jockey's Ridge State Park. But a week later, she was done with paddling. So what happened with the kayaking? <laughs> well, the kayaking, um, the kayaking was challenging. I mean, I think that's really the, the bottom line. And that's not why I stopped. Once I got to the Outer Banks, she laid out everything that happened starting with the day she left. Things were going pretty well um, for a little while, and then, you know, I'm not sure um, exactly what the tides were at that point and what they were shifting to, but there was definitely some weather and then winds, and then the water just got extremely choppy. So, you know, I paddled for maybe like two hours, and it seemed perfectly fine. You know, it was tough paddling, but, you know, I could see that I was making progress. I could see the water tower coming into <laughs> into eyesight and, um, you know, things going behind me. So, but at one point, I had kind of looked and set my sight on a house that was pretty identifiable, and I was just paddling towards that house for, I think, 30 minutes and not going anywhere. So, Michelle from Warrior Expeditions was here. I called her, picked a point, and pulled me out for the night. Got on the water the next day. Had a pretty good day. I think I, I did 10 miles of paddling, which for, you know, I think a novice paddler is, is okay. But then, once again, the winds changed, and the tide started to work against her. By the time that I got to Fort Macon, where I was meeting up with Michelle, the water started getting really choppy. You know, you could see the white caps. I had to cross an inlet, and there were a ton of recreational boaters out there. So we just decided to kind of call it for the day and start start early the next day. So we put in so early that the waters were very calm, and it was honestly absolutely beautiful. Again, one of the coolest things I think I've done, and will kind of go down as one of my favorite days out on the out on the trail. There's birds flying all around me, watching them just nosedive into the water. And, you know, I think there was one other fishing boat out there, but other than that, it was just me. Hit the southern end of Shackleford Banks. And like I said, I pulled up and there were two wild ponies just right there. And I was like, oh wow, this is, you know, gonna be a cool day. I, I was going to go explore, so I didn't set up my tent immediately because I was like, oh, maybe I'll find a better place to camp. I'll just wait until I kind of go explore a little bit before I decide where I'm going to set up my tent. So I set up my tent a little bit later than I probably would have normally, but I get back to my tent and I start pulling out my stuff and tearing through my bags and realize that I don't have my tent poles. So I'm on an island with not a single soul around and I don't have my tent poles. And so that was like just another like <laughs> kind of bad moment. I called my husband and was like, so I forgot my tent poles. And he had like suggested I make a lean to and I was looking around and there's like crabs out on the ground already. And you know, if the wind stops and the bugs are gonna be out and I was like, I really don't wanna be exposed to you know, all the bugs and crabs and stuff like that. And it doesn't sound like a pleasant night. So, so anyway, I basically had to just like fashion a tent so I basically took my tent and 
I tore apart my kayak, all the bungee cords on my kayak. I had a ratchet strap that we were, you know, had tied onto the kayak so that I could, you know, pull my boat through low tide areas if I needed to. So I took that off. I had a little bit of string from, you know, for tie-offs for my tent. And I essentially just tied the little clips basically off to different tie-off points and basically was able to get my tent pretty much erected for the most part. Then I used my rain fly to like create like a lean-to on the side that the wind was coming from so I could at least like have a little protection from the wind. So that actually turned out really well. You know, I kind of had like an oh crap moment at first, like like this would be the worst time to forget your tent poles. And you know, when I kind of like, you know, talked to my husband he was like, do you like, what, like look around, what do you have? And I kind of got off the phone with him. I was like, okay, I have some stuff that I can, you know, figure this out. And in the army, you have to like do that a lot. So that like wasn't like the worst thing in the world. So she spent the night in her makeshift shelter, wild horses nearby without anybody else on the island. It was kind of magical. But the next day, not so much. I chose to try to paddle against the conditions for a while, and it was just, you know, kind of brutal and um, wasn't making much progress. And so um, I turned around, paddled south to Cape Lookout, and, you know, kind of spent the morning just exploring that area. I'd never been there before, went to the museum, went to the lighthouse, you know, did the visitor center. And kind of at that point, I called and talked to Michelle and she was like, why don't you just take the ferry back? And I hadn't thought about that at all. So I spent essentially four days paddling um, and just decided that I really didn't have the technical skills to feel comfortable out there. And it was kind of tainting the journey for me. So just decided to switch back to the bike and, you know, I had a blast doing that. So in that moment where you kind of realize that you're not going to do this thing you had kind of planned to do and are going to kind of alter your plan a little bit, like what's that like? Like what's that moment realization like for you? Yeah, to be honest, it was really defeating and it was like a really tough moment for me. Immediately, like my thought is like, you're giving up or you're quitting. So that, you know, definitely weighed on my mind quite a bit and made me pretty disappointed in myself. But, you know, again, after like talking to folks and and you hate to kind of like reason yourself out of that, because like in a sense, like I did fail to do the prescribed thing that we came out here to do. And at the end of the day, you know, it was kind of a test. Nobody had done it you know, prior to this year in terms of the the program that I'm doing this with. Again, talking to, you know, my family and Michelle, and they were all really great about it. And what I had kind of morphed this journey into is, is something that I really wanted to enjoy. It wasn't, you know, meeting that criteria. Aaron, in that moment, had to decide, am I doing this trip for somebody else? Or am I doing it for me? And sitting there next to Aaron... It was clear that she'd made the right choice. She might have failed at kayaking, but she'd succeeded at getting to the end. She looked tired, sure, but pretty invigorated. And I wasn't the only one who noticed. Is there anything, you know, subtle or anything that you've been able to kind of detect from just talking with her or hanging out with her? Um, I've definitely noticed that, like, she seems more excited. Michelle had pointed out the same thing back when we were both standing at the end of a boardwalk on Emerald Isle, watching Aaron paddle away into the Bogue Sound. I know in the beginning, and, and with all of us, I think it's kind of hard to, we're not like exciting people. We're not like, oh, I'm so excited to do this. It's just not who most of us are as veterans. We just aren't like that. And so in the beginning, I knew she wasn't really like that either, but she seems to have like a little bit more like pep in her talk when you hear her talk now about like the next step or, oh, I want to go explore this and I want to go explore that. And, and knowing that like, she still lives in North Carolina and she can go back and explore all that kind of stuff. 
I think is huge because now that she's out of the military, she has something else to look forward to. I mean, that's huge. That's, I don't know if you can pinpoint exactly what changes, but I think the biggest thing we see is, like for my brother, for instance, when he is going into a dark place, like he, he just had another one of the guys from his unit uh, take his own life just a couple weeks ago. And he went and he went hiking for a week by himself. So like, it, it, it's also knowing that you have this resource and this is a, something that you can continue to use later on so like if something else happens in their lives or they're going into a dark place they know that they can jump on a bike or jump in a boat or go hike in the mountains and get that like little bit of therapy again to kind of do a reset almost. So yeah I've definitely seen it's not like a a change that you'd be like oh they're a different person from point A to point B but there's little subtle things that you'll see, you know, within people. And, and really, it might not even affect them until, you know, six months from now, a year from now. So, you still see her out there? Yeah, she's still waiting. She's going. She's going. She's, I mean, you can still use it, yeah. It's now been a little more than a year since that moment. And yeah, things have changed. We made it to the ocean. You hear it. <laughs> what happens when you finish the trip of a lifetime and get back to life? What's tomorrow going to be like for you? I think it's going to be weird. I think like there's still probably going to be a process. You know, I don't think that this whole process is over. Next time on the season finale of Away Message. This podcast is a production of Our State Magazine, celebrating North Carolina for more than 85 years. Head to OurState.com, click on subscribe, and use the promo code AWAY to get $5 off a year's subscription. It is our thank you for listening to the show. This episode was produced by James Michkowski. Our intern is McKenna Smith. Our website is ourstate.com slash podcast. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and review and tell a friend. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here one more time in a few weeks.